couple weeks ago, Pastor Carl, we did how to handle irritating people. Anybody remember that service? And if you, by the way, if you ever wanted to watch these sermons again, they're all online. I think Monday or Tuesday, they're all put back up. You can watch again. Last week, Pastor Carl, we did a, how to handle disappointment. disappointment. And today, appropriate for Mother's Day, our sermon is, what's good parenting? What's good parenting look like? Now, I obviously, clearly, some of us in this room are not parents. So I want you to know that the, the, the message I'm going to bring this morning, it is themed for parents, but it really is for every one of us. We, we're going to present to you the Word of God with biblical principles that every one of us, that God wants us to really know so that we can have the best life possible. In fact, the, the scripture we're going to use this morning in Luke is really about how Jesus was raised. So if Mary and Joseph raised him that way, all of us, all of us are growing in our love for the Lord, no matter if we're two or 102, we're all growing. We never, all of us never arrive. So I, I, I want you to know this message is absolutely for everyone. You're going to get something out of it. By the way, parenting, though, of course, is an, it's an amazing, amazing thing. That we're asked to raise a child. We're, you know, it's important for us to know that is not our child. That is God's child. And it's a gift from God. The Word tells us that our children are a gift from God. And we're, I knew that when I was raising my kid. These are just on loan from God. And someday, I want them to come to know Jesus. And that is really all of our responsibilities, not just a parent, all of our responsibilities. We all have a call in our life. Our number one call, if we believe in Jesus and we love Jesus, our number one call in our life is to reflect Jesus. Our number one call. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. So I've been married for uh, 41 years now, and I have, uh, I have three amazing kids. This is, this is the original five right there. It's my daughter, Liz, and Sarah, and my son, Paul, and that's my beautiful wife and amazing mom, Deb. And we've, uh, we've raised those children. It, it's been a, an amazing ride. We, we don't do a lot of things good. I mean, we have our bumps in the road like every married couple does. But I think the one thing that I can honestly say that we did well is... We raised our kids. In fact, you know, I knew the schedule. We, we plan a preaching schedule out way ahead, and you don't get to call your number. That's completely up to Pastor Carl when you preach. And I was secretly going, oh, I hope, this is, I, hope I can preach that message. Because you know why? I loved, I loved being a dad. I loved it. I was intentional about it. Can I ask, can I ask, Ask my ushers, one of the ushers, can you, can you put this room on numb? I see some people fanning themselves. Put it on numb for us. Put some air conditioning up. So being a parent was amazing to me. It, it, it really was. Every single one of us are born with a calling in our life, a purpose in our life. All of us. Every single one of us. And some of us just happen to be called to be a parent because parenting is absolutely a calling. It is, it's a time when, I mean, it takes an enormous amount of work. There's some ups and downs. Tired, being tired is the norm, the new norm. And we're raising our kids and we're all living in a culture that has gone sideways. Every time I'm going to preach, I'm going to bring that, weave, weave that in. Because if you're as old as me, and I'm probably one of the oldest people in this room. I grew up 
when all the laws and all the people filter, a great majority of leaders of our time filtered the laws and the way they led through the Bible. It was. That's the way it was. Our founding fathers, that's the way it was designed. We are as far away from that time as we could possibly be. And all of us are living in a time when God has been put pushed outside the culture. And God would say, no bueno. We want, he wants us, his kids, to make sure that we reflect God in everything we do so the culture sees God in us. Are you hearing me? Those, does anybody agree we've gone sideways in this culture? God has been completely pushed out of the culture. When your children or my grandkids, hey, let me show a picture of my grandkids. That's my family right there. And their spouses, amazing spouses, Mike and Trevor and Bree are my kids' spouses. But there's my grandkids right there. And that's my calling right now. My calling is to partner with my children to make sure that they see Jesus in me. Because ultimately, all of us, part of our calling again is to make sure people come to know Jesus in a powerful way. And that is my calling. So, you know, along the way here, you can take that picture down, otherwise they won't pay attention to me. So parenting, you know, for, for generations, hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of years, the main way of parenting style was the authoritarian uh, style of preaching. And that was a very simple style, really. This is the premise. Do it or else. Anybody know that one? And the or else was usually painful. In my world, there was a belt and a backhand. That's the way it was. Then he asked questions later. That was my dad. That was the way it was. Anybody tracking with me on that? But, you know, even if there wasn't a a belt or a backhand, sometimes and most of the times, it was painful because of them yelling at us and shaming us and whatever it took to make sure that we obeyed them and our behavior was what they expected. That was the authoritarian type of uh, of parenting. That's what I grew up with. But then through the... In the 60s and 70s, because the children of those type of parent, that style of parenting grew up, that's the last thing they wanted. So they kind of flipped the switch, and it's called a permissive style of, of parenting. And that was based around this premise. I just want my child to like me. Because in the authoritarian type of parenting, being your friend wasn't their priority. Growing you up and, and getting you out of the house, that was their priority. The permissive first person uh, parenting style was, I just want my kid to like me. If I show them enough love and affirmation and encouragement, they'll go and they'll, they'll finally do what I'm asking them to do. And the, and the, the philosophy behind that is that a child is born good. How many know that's not true? And all you have to do is remember when you were a kid. To know that is not true. We're all trying to push the boundaries and figure out where they are and get over those boundaries. Whatever the guardrails we, our parents put in our life, we're trying to get on the other side of it. Are you, are, you, are you with me on that? That's just the way it was. So a friend of mine was coaching, I was coaching baseball with my son many years ago, and he says, and he's had an 11-year-old like I did. And he goes, oh, my son is my best friend. Huh? I literally, wait. There's something wrong with that picture because we're not called to be their best friend. We're called to be their parent. 
Some of the best advice I ever received. When I was a young father, I had the great privilege. God blessed me big time to, to hang out with a pretty famous pastor in the Foursquare Church. He was actually the president of Foursquare back then. He loved to golf, and he asked me to take him golfing because if he asked any other of the pastors, they always wanted to talk about what they could get from Foursquare. I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to be his friend. And I asked him, hey, what, tell me, you raised three amazing boys. What was your secret? And he instantly said, I've, this is what I pass on to you, and I want to pass it on to you this morning. He basically said, you cannot be your child's biggest fan. And at first, when I heard that, I was like, what? I didn't quite understand. But then I realized through the years is you can't be your, friends, you can't be your son's or daughter's best friend because if you are, you allow behavior to happen. You let them tweak the lines. You, let, you, over, you, you look over and don't see what they're doing. That's just the way it is. Secondly, the other thing that he told me was, was very important, that your child must know no. They must know where the boundaries are. They must have them in their life, and then they have to also know that there's consequences if you pass that boundaries. They have to know that. I was in Safeway. It's been a while now. I was in Safeway in the express lane trying to get out of Safeway quickly, and there was a, there was a young mom and a baby in the, in the shopping cart and a three- or four-year-old right to her side, and she's getting prepared to check out. And, and do you know what's right there next to the checkout? What, what's, what's right there? By the way, place, um, you know, placement of product is like crazy important in a supermarket. Why do you think they put that there? Right there, eye level. So this negotiation started to come. The child put the, put the candy inside the uh, basket, and the mom said, nope, I have plenty of candy at home. You don't need it. Yeah, that didn't go over well. Put it back in, and then put it back out. And so this negotiation was going on for a little bit as she was trying to get her groceries on the, on the conveyor belt. So the child goes, oh, this isn't working out. I need to change the style here. I need to change my approach. So yelling became the approach, and it got super loud. And I could see the mom. And I'm, I'm sitting back going, Mom, you're doing awesome. You are doing awesome. Keep it up. Because no mom wants to have their kids screaming in Safeway. I totally get that. At the last second, just before she's ready to pay and get out that door, what do you think she did? Yep. She got the candy and put it on the line. Note to self, child said. And by the way, our children are super smart. Note to self. Forget the early morning, uh, early negotiation. Go right to loud. Super important. And by the way, just in case you were thinking, I was just talking about parenting. All of us, every single one of us, need to know the boundaries of our life and need to know where they are, and we need to stay inside those boundaries. We know what temptations and things come our way, and when we allow ourselves to not hear no in our head, but we allow ourselves to go past that no and move into that area. You know there's consequences, right? That's for all of us, not just the parenting. That's, we have to know the boundaries, and we have to be willing to not go by them. And we're going to talk about that heavily this morning, about that. So there's the permissive style, and there's the authoritarian style. But the style I want to talk about this morning is the biblical parenting, biblical parenting. See, the first two are really based on behavioral change that really doesn't hit the heart. It's really making them change. But the biblical style, really, it's about the heart. It's about reaching their heart. 
You see, I, I remember, um, you know, if you buy a car or a refrigerator or a brand new TV or a tool, what do they come with? They come with an owner's manual. Like, I remember when I first took Liz home from the hospital, we went down at Kapilani Children's Hospital, and I got her all buckled up in the car, and Deb gets in, and we drive away, and I didn't even get out of the parking lot, and I looked at my wife, and I go, what the, have we done? What is going, do we have any idea what we're supposed to do here? Here's, here's the owner's manual right here. This is the owner's manual. And by the way, just for the record, this is the owner's manual for our life our life. God wrote this so that we know. God wrote your script. And he wrote into your life crazy adventure, crazy excitement. And he's going here, just here's, here's the boundaries. Not, this isn't a book of do's and don'ts. This is a love letter. Say, hey, just stay within these boundaries. And I promise you, even though it's a, even the word says, like we talked about last week in disappointment, we live in a crazy world. And you know what? There's going to be disappointment and sorrow. But God says, hey, read my word, know me, and I'll get you through any situation. Are you hearing me? Spiritual wisdom is what we're really talking about today. Let me read this scripture. It says this in Proverbs 24.3. It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes wisdom to build a good life for yourself and your family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. So that's what we're really, really going to try to talk to you today about, it. biblical wisdom. I'm, I'm going to throw a lot, of, a lot of ideas, a lot of nuggets at you. Take notes. And you know what? If one or two stick, awesome. That's what I wanted to do today. I want you to go home today and really have experienced some fresh wisdom in your life. Because you can't pass on what you don't possess. And that's what we're trying to do to our children, to our neighbors, to our family, to our coworkers. We're trying to pass on what we possess, and that is the Holy Spirit. So the biblical style is this, and I want to, I want to go right to the main, the main um, scripture that we want to use today, and that's in Luke 2.52. You ready? Here's what it says. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He had favor with God, and he had favor with people. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with men, and favor with God. If you're marrying Joseph and you're raising Jesus, like, no pressure, no pressure. But here's, here's how, here clearly tells us in the word, this is how Jesus was raised. And if it was Jesus was raised like this, this would be important to us. Are you hearing me? So he was raised with wisdom. He was raised with stature. He was raised with favor for God and favor with men. Let's talk about wisdom. He was, he was, he grew up, he grew. And I think that's the main, the main word I want you to see too, is he grew. We never quite arrive. We're always growing. So he grew in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is amazing. Wisdom isn't he, go to, he didn't go to school and get smart. That's, and he didn't have a great common sense, although those are things that are very important. But wisdom, the Bible says, is way deeper, much deeper. In fact, let me define wisdom for you in the way I see it. Wisdom is the creator, God's in, insight into whatever situation you're going through. It's his insight. Who, if you understand, wait, I can have God's insight in this situation? Yes. In fact, the word says clearly in Proverbs, wisdom is more precious than gold or silver or rubies. In fact, it ends that verse saying, nothing compares to it. In fact, 
What it says is that wisdom is the most valuable thing we can even ask God for. Remember Solomon, King Solomon, David's son? What did he ask for? And he became the smartest person around because he allowed God to speak. It's like the, the scripture I used that they would have, you can build a family on wisdom and understanding or insight. So the wisdom is God's insight into the situation. The understanding or the revelation is us actually doing it. The word says in James, the first in James 1, it says, all you have to do, if you want wisdom, all you have to do is ask. And don't be afraid, your glorious father will be glad to give it to you. So talking about wisdom, the first point I want you to write down in your notes is teach them to fear God. It says this in Proverbs 9, 10. Fear, fear the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge is a, of the Holy One results in good judgment. So you hear, I just read, the beginning of foundation, the beginning of wisdom, the foundation of wisdom is fear of the Lord. If you're new to the Bible and you, you just heard that, you might go, wait, what? The word fear is a poor translation. What it really means, it's not meant, it doesn't mean to be scared of God. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God in any way. When I was growing up, one of, the, one of my dad's ways of, uh, was of, of discipl disciplining me and getting me to fall in line is I grew up in the Catholic church. My parents were devout Catholics. And he always, he would say this, God's going to get you, Robert. You wait. So you, you, you grow up thinking, uh-oh, big stick. Be afraid of God. That's not what it means if you grew up with that. What it means is to have a healthy respect and awe of God. We talk about loving God, which is so important. We talk about being a friend of God. We talk about having an intimate relationship with God. But we can never, ever forget that what we serve is a powerful loving, all-knowing God. When we came in here this morning and we're in worship, we were not just singing a couple of songs so you get your kid into children's church or you could warm up for somebody to preach. No, we came in here this morning to worship God because we were saying, God, you are worthy of our praise. We want more of you. So as you prepare your hearts like that, then you're ready to receive whatever the Holy Spirit has for you this morning. Are you hearing me? The word says the fear of the Lord. When I grew up, my dad was a disciplinarian pretty hard, but my mom was pretty strict too, but she, she didn't yell or she didn't hit by any means. She just had that look. Your mom have a look? My mom had a look. And basically, the last thing I wanted was that look because you know what that look meant to me, for me? It meant I disappointed my mom. I remember one time when I was... I think I was eight or nine. I was hanging out with my friends and, and a bunch of bigger kids were hanging out in there. They had a pack of cigarettes and so everybody was trying to start smoking that day. And uh, they were, you know, the peer pressure was on. They wanted me to smoke. And in my back of my head, all I could think of was my mom's look. And I remember distinctly going, nope, I'm not smoking today because I don't want to disappoint my mom. And that's the way it is with God. When we're confronted with temptation or pressure and all that goes with life, when the press of life comes against us, God would want us to say, hey, 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 don't forget me. Because here's the deal. My son-in-law says this. He wants to be the loudest voice in, their, in his kid's life when they're confronted. He wants to be the loudest voice. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But also, I want to tell you something else that's even more important. You know who wants to be the loudest voice in your life? God. 
God wants to be that when, when we're faced with doing something crazy or thinking something or going down a rabbit trail, we know we shouldn't be going down. God wants to be the loudest voice in our head. And it becomes from really having an awe for God. And secondly, God grew in wisdom. And I think this really talks, speaks to that we would guard their hearts and you would guard your heart. The word says this. The word says this in, in Proverbs 4. It says, guard your hearts for above... For above all else, it determines the course of your life. For all of us, the most important thing we can do is guard our hearts. Put a, put a, put a, a foundation around it so we don't allow in. You know, they built the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China. Anybody ever been on the Great Wall of China? It's a crazy. It's, it's the biggest man-made structure ever made. It's thousands of miles and they built it over thousands of years for one reason. What was that? So they wouldn't get conquered. So along the way, they built a couple little doors, because it's so wide. They built a couple little doors so that they could maintain the outside if they needed to. And through history, they were conquered several times through that little door. You see, when we give the enemy just a crack of our hearts, and, our, and, our, and, our, and the enemy has a crack of our child's hearts, he will come roaring in to conquer. Are you hearing me? There's so much distraction. None of our children that were on the stage know a life without a screen. Every single one of us, every single one of them, and every single one of us, our whole life is screens. That's the way it is, no doubt about it. Can I just say this? All of us have to recognize the great, there's a, it's a great tool, and the enemy can use it for bad in every single one of our lives. We have to know when we turn that computer on, that pad on, that phone on, we have to know what's on those screens in our kids' life. And here's the deal. I know that screens are amazing. I watch my kids, my children raise their children now, and a screen is an amazing thing so that my kids and you can have a life and get some work done around the house and just have a moment of peace. I totally get it. And they're amazing for that. But the other thing they definitely need, though, is they don't need screen time. They need feast time with you. Must have face time with you. You have to guard their hearts. You have to know what's going on in their lives, and you have to know that the enemy is trying for a crack in your heart. Are you hearing me? So he grew in wisdom. Secondly, he grew in stature. He grew in stature. Of course, that talks about the physical body, that it's important that we all eat right and, and exercise and maintain a health. In fact, can I just say this really quickly? That I think the scripture talks, the stature talks a lot more about uh, Jesus' life than his physical body. But for your children, and maybe even for you, body image, a lot of people do destructive things and think destructive things because of body image. They're, our children look in a mirror, our teenagers, possibly you, look in a mirror, and we see, what we see of you is pure beauty. And we're, we're looking at you and go, wow, God, you were awesome. You created such a beautiful person. They look in the mirror and they go, only see what? Their flaws. So it's up to us to make sure we're always encouraging, always being there, especially for teenagers and junior hires, tweeners. You got you to know what's going on there. But I think the scripture, when he grew in stature, is talking about his life. He grew in life. He grew in life. He says this. 
It says in Psalm 139, it says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? Here's here's the next point. We have to encourage their purpose in their life. We have to encourage the purpose in their life. We have to help them bring that out of them. We have to help them discover that. This was super important to me. This was a big deal that I would help, and even my grandkids. I'm trying to understand their personalities and what makes them tick and who they are. and, And back in the day when I first started having children, we had three small kids laying around, and my job and my wife has a job, and we got really busy, and I realized, man, we're just... We're just picking them up from a babysitter, eating dinner, and they're going to bed. And we're, who are these kids? That's what happened in my life. And so I, I got some wisdom. And, and if you want to copy this, it'd be awesome. I instituted on Monday nights at my house when my kids were very small. And I still do it today, today, this afternoon. Back in the day, it was on Monday nights. Now it's on Sunday nights, and all, that, all those people that were in that picture a minute ago, they all show up at my house, and it'll be tonight, and they have, we do it every Sunday night. It's called family night because I needed a time. It was only one day a week. It lasted for two hours. It couldn't include a screen. Back then, we didn't have screens like we do today. We just had a TV screen, but it couldn't, into, it couldn't include that. But family night had to be one thing, and, it, and I was responsible for it. It had to be crazy fun. And you wouldn't believe how fun it is to make Sundays in the middle of the living room floor or having, having playing charades or finding out how far we can throw popcorn and catch it with your mouth. I remember early on, I, my kids, uh, I, there was just a couple of meetings I had to go to back then when we were coming up onto the property. My responsibility was trying to get us up here and I was forced to go to a few meetings. I want you to know my kids, re- they were in my face. Hey, family night. Remember, nothing gets in the way of family night. It's, it's written in the calendar. It can't be changed. And I want you to know, because of family night, I really got to understand who my children were. I watched them, the uniqueness. All three of my children are different. And I just was able to figure out who they were. I was trying to figure out what their passions were. I tried to lead them into, that, into, that, into their passions. Can I also say this? Vacations are super important. Hear me. If you ask my children, they got on stage right now, and I ask them, tell me the greatest memories of your life growing up in my home, in our home, they would absolutely say vacations. Let me tell you something. Vacations are more important than a new car. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Some of the best vacations I had were camping at Bellows. You can have a blast at Bellows Beach with a tent, I promise you. And it's just you and your family. There's no screens. There's no nothing. It's just life. You're doing it. You can't possibly. The reason why vacation is important because you're able to get out of the chaos that you regularly live in and the to-do list and all the pressures in that family. You get away from that, and you're able to really explore life, just the family. Remember I told you, I showed you that picture, the original five? Because there's an original group of you, and it's going to grow over time. Can I just say through the young parents, because there's a few young parents in this, in this room. I just saw your kids. Time flies by. You, I was sitting on the stage on Friday night thinking, I can remember when my kids were that small, and now they're in their 30s. It happened like that and like that. Take vacations together. Figure it out. 
Do whatever it takes, because I can promise you it's the greatest memories they have. Secondly, can I just say this? I interned my kids. And what I mean by that is once I saw their purpose, once I saw their passions, once I saw what they liked to do, I, like my old, youngest daughter, Liz, she goes at about 14 years old. She was into beauty. She was into her hair, her makeup. She loved that. So it was just a big deal to her. So I went to a friend who goes to this church, who owns a sharp, amazing family, the Hollands. And I said, Diana, would you allow my daughter, I'll pay, you have to pay, pay her a penny. Can I get my daughter during the summer to come in and hang out with you for a couple hours a day and see if she likes this? Well, that little internship, she now owns her own salon. Made of big money. All the ladies in here know how much you pay for hair. Crazy money. She made a living at it. My middle daughter had a desire to do um, clothes design. So we, Liz knew somebody who knew somebody, and she was able to intern at Tory Richards. She still works there today. My son, he told me he wanted to be in the business world and into realty, commercial realty. He went down there, was there a day, and hated it. But guess what? I was glad he hated it. But he, through that process, got to know what he wanted to do. And now he's a, a financial manager. But intern your kids so they figure out what they like to do and, and figure out what their desires are and get them, get them in the workforce early so they know what they're doing. Are you hearing me? Super important. Secondly, the second point is pray for God's blessing in their lives. Now, I pray every day for my wife and myself. I name all my kids and my grandkids so this isn't a parenting thing. Every single one of us looking at me right now should pray every single day for God's blessing and anointing in your life. Every day. Start that day that way. It's that important. And thirdly, can I just say this about raising kids, is make sure you know, careful about their friendships. Really important. Third point is be careful about their friendships. This was a big deal to me. I literally prayed out of my kid's life, friends. Several times I prayed friends out of my kid's life, and the Lord answered my prayer every time. And it wasn't this drama of a breakup. or my, I, We moved in Kailua, and there was a child two houses from me, a boy, same exact age as my son. And it didn't take me long to realize that's not the influence I want in my son's life. And I prayed, Lord, I need... I need you to do something here. And they literally grew apart, even though they were neighbors. If you show me your child's friend, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you show me the input you're taking in, I'm going to show you who's, who your friends are. Choose your friends and your children's friends well. Know what's going on. You know, if, if you were to tell me, oh, I have no idea who they're seeing, they just, they just took off and they'll, they'll be back. No good. No good for you either. Don't hang around friends that are going to take you away from Jesus. And by the way, your children are growing up in a world where Jesus probably isn't in many, many of the homes around you. That's why our youth group is so important. Youth group was mandatory in my world. Oh, no, I got a big soccer match. I got a big tournament. Sucks to be you because that's not happening. And the coach would get mad at me and all that drama because I had a couple of kids that were really good at soccer, my girls. But you know what? When youth camp came, they were in youth camp because they were hanging out. My kids, if your kids are in junior high or in high school or in fifth and sixth grade, I, even, even the young kids in a children's church, Pastor Jody and her team, Pastor Anu and now Pastor Stephen, who's coming in our high school, 
Their number one goal is to help you, help you lead them to Jesus and have a powerful relationship. Are you hearing me? Choose their friends well. So he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and then he grew in favor with man. This was big to me too. This was gigantic. I wanted my children to be able to handle any situation where they're in. I wanted them to be able to come in and be friends. I was a pastor at a church. I needed. I wanted them to be respectful, kind. I wanted them to honor people. This was gigantic to me. Gigantic. Yeah, so this is the one thing I really spent a lot of time working on, that they would be able to be, that they would have, that would, people would see them and see them with uh, respect from a very young age. It's very important. And there's three things that are really important about this. They must be honest. You must be honest. I golf a lot. I'm a big golfer. Golf is something, golf is something I've done for a long time. And around here, I, I get the opportunity to golf with a lot of people. And then when I go to the golf course and we don't have a full, a full group, the golf course gives us somebody. So I've golfed with a lot of people over the years. And either they either have a math problem or an honesty problem. It's like, what did you get on that? What'd you, let me write that score down. What, what did you get? So how did you add that up again? No, because honesty is everything. Honesty is super important in life. They must know honesty. See, when I was um, 15... I, um, my dad had this, like the Sunday car. I grew up in a time when Sunday cars were in and he had this 57 Chevy and he announced on a Saturday morning that my mom and dad were going to be gone all day. We wouldn't be home until late in the evening. That's it. Like one, like it. So I went on this, uh, so my parents went away. And so my, my buddy and I on Saturday morning go, what are we going to do today? So we, you know, Mustered up as a much, you know, we, we came up with some really good decisions. We made some really good decisions that day. We stole my dad's car, that car. Now, here, let me tell you something. That car had its own garage, and in the garage, it was covered up. So we uncovered it and got it out of the garage, and we drove it up to where the girls are at. We're cruising. In fact, we said, hey, let's go for a ride. So we drove all our friends around for a few hours. But I had a job that I'd be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I said, I got to get home, man. I could get to work. So I, at the bottom of our driveway, there are two rock pillars as you go up the driveway. You don't get ahead of me. So I'm running home, and I, and I turn the corner. I turn too tightly. Yeah, and I heard a scratch, so I should have stopped right there. Should have. That would have been the wise thing to do is back out. But my panic... I floored it, and I took all that chrome off it, and, and the paint, and the, oh, it was ugly. So, of course, what I did was I put it back in the garage, put the cover on it, and walked away, <laughs> and wondered, how long can I get away with this? So, Sunday morning, I grew up in, a, like I told you, I went to a Catholic school, church, and, of course, when you're 15, you don't go to church with your parents, so I went to church, like I was asked to do. I come home, I turn up the driveway, and he's washing the car white freak out moment in fact my i literally could feel the goosebumps right now freak out moment so i snuck around so i snuck in over the neighbor's fence and into my house thinking okay what am i going to do what am i going to do what am i going to do and my mom just another one of those looks looked right at me now i have a twin brother why didn't they blame him no nope, i knew what i had to do remember i told you my dad was a uh, 
hit first and ask questions later, dude. So I went out there. I said, Dad, and before I got there, I was bracing for what was about to happen because I figured, I, I literally felt I was going to go flying. I just didn't know where. <laughs> I'm not lying. But I went up to him. I said, Dad, I am so sorry. I did that. And then I kind of br- literally closed my eyes and braced for what was next. And he hugged me. And my dad never hugged me, ever, rarely. But he said to me, he goes, thank you for being honest. You see, Jesus too. Jesus says, hey, I, just want, I want an honest relationship. If you do something wrong, he, Jesus says, there is nothing I won't forgive. Nothing. I'll forgive it all. Just Let's just be honest. Just tell me you did something so I know, so we're, we're good. Confess your sins to me. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, only, I didn't have very many rules. In fact, I had zero, hardly any rules in my house. I had one, though, one rule. You had to be honest. Couldn't lie. Because if you lie, there's, there's no relationship. My kids, whatever they did, and they did some crazy things. And I'm not telling those stories because I don't want to embarrass them right now. But they did some crazy things, and I forgave them all because they were honest. So honesty is super important. Another th- next thing, you have to have respect, and you have to have honor. And today, if you watch the news at all, which I stopped doing because just, it's just not good for me, but there's no respect in this world today. It's, it's, it's out the door, and there's no honor. If you want to have favor with men, you, you have to realize, super important, and the scripture says this in Philippians, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others before yourself. That's the one thing I tried to teach my kids. Others before you. Put others before you. Care about their needs. Don't just worry about you because we are all born selfish. It's me, myself, and I. But I, w- I want you to help just yourself, for yourself, not just your kids. Put others before you. So he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with men. And then he, threw, he, he grew in favor with God. And this talks about his spiritual life, our spiritual life. All of us are body, soul, and spirit. That's who we are. We're our body, our physical body, this amazing person that God created us to be. And our soul is our personality, our intellect, the, the essence of who you are. But also, the word says there's something even deeper within you, put there by God. Everyone, every human being born has a spirit. And when you come to know Jesus, when you allow Jesus to come in your heart, his spirit and your spirit connect. And that's what makes the essence of your personality come alive even more. It's, it's who you are when you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's, it's the confidence that God has your back. Are you hearing me? When you come into worship and you really have a worship experience and you're really feeling it, it's when his spirit and your spirit connect. When you have a life without the spirit in your life, that means your soul is running the show. That's your personality, your intellect, your likes, your dislikes, your feelings. And when the spirit's not hitting, your, hitting your, your, the core of who, you are. Your soul runs the show. And sometimes our feelings can take us sideways. Are you hearing me? So the Lord, so Jesus grew in a spiritual. So there's three things I want to give you really quickly. First is, let the Lord be the Lord of your house. It says this in Joshua 24. It says, choose for yourself this day, this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. At some point, you have to put a line in the sand and you're thinking right now, well, you're a pastor. You have to, no, all of us land in the sand. No, we're serving the Lord. 
That means we watch our, what we say. We don't take the Lord's name in vain. We, the Lord is the most important thing in our lives. That's what we show our kids. That we show anybody that joins our house, anybody that's a friend of our house, whoever lives in that house, Jesus is the most important thing in this family's life. Choose that. Secondly is allow them to see your love. Allow them to see your love. This is how I said it. Show them my love for God. Show them your love for God. I, like I said with my grandkids right now, I bring God into everything. When my kids were growing up, I brought God into everything. Everything. Said, did you, you know, I always said, did you see how God blessed you today? I wanted to make sure that they didn't see it was them. And, and, and the same with all of us. We have to humbly realize everything going on in your life, everything you have is God's. God gave it to you. The people in your life, the job you have, the finances in the bank, that's all God's. You have to know that. And I wanted my children to know it. And lastly, you have to be like Jesus in every circumstance. Be like Jesus in every circumstance. When my son was just, just turned 18, and I spent a lot of time training my son. We, I ended up getting, I, I love football. He loves football. We had season tickets. We still do have season tickets for UH football. So I, you know, my son had some pretty straight talks about sex and girls and all that. He announced when he was 18 years old that he got his girlfriend pregnant. Trust me, that is not, that wasn't a fine day for me. He was smart, though. He did it in public at a restaurant. I didn't raise a fool. But my response was this. I instantly bolted out of that seat and out the door. That was my first response. Why did I do that? Because I was more concerned about what people would think of me. And I got to that door at that restaurant, and I was hit by God's wisdom. He talked to me straight up right then. Get your rear end back in that place. It's not about you you have to be, your son needs a dad right this moment. And I had to realize, son, I, I don't really like what's going on here, but I realize we're going to get through this together. And I loved him because that's, what, why did I love him? Because Jesus told me to love him. How, what would I be modeling if I just went off and, and went crazy on him? But we, we had to work through it. it. It was very disappointing for a parent, for me especially as a dad, that, that that happened. But you know what? Today, I can honestly tell you, and they're married. Bree and Paul got married four or five years ago. But you know what? I, I couldn't imagine living one day of my life without that little girl, without Emma, their daughter. Not one day would I want to live without that child. All of us, every one of us, need to be like Jesus in every circumstance. That means we have to understand what God would want from us and have the courage and the boldness to follow through on that. Let's pray. Lord, for all of us, Lord, in this room today, no matter if we're parents or not, Lord, we have to, I, we just acknowledge, Lord, I pray an anointing and a blessing on each one of us in this room, Lord. We're honored that you called us to be your sons and daughters. We're honored that you love us so much that you adopted us into your family, Lord. We acknowledge that whatever we have, it's all from you, Lord. It's all yours. Our children, our lives, our friends, our family, our moms, especially on this day, Lord, they're from you, a gift from you, Lord. When they, 
when you created us, you created us with these people in mind, Lord, and we acknowledge that today, and we thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And if there's anybody in this room who's have never come to know Jesus, and your spirit, the core of who you are, is never, never united with Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, I want to give you that opportunity right now. This truly is the most important thing we do in this service. The most important thing is this right now. If you've never come to know Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. The word says in Romans, the 10th chapter, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means Jesus is going to come and take residence. The Holy Spirit is going to take residence in your heart, and you will do life together with Jesus. If you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity right now. And how we do it is, I'm not going to have you stand up and confess with your mouth, but I want to know, and I want you to admit that you are. And I just want you to raise your hand right now. If that's what you want. If you want Jesus in your heart, raise your, raise your hand right now. Raise it up. I see you. I see you. Hands are going up around the room. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. So, Lord, pray with me. Just hitchhike off my words. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of doing my thing my way and not acknowledging you, Lord. I acknowledge that you're my creator, my Lord, my Savior. I acknowledge that you died for my sins, Lord. And I pray for the people who just raised their hand, Lord, that you would come into their hearts right now and they would tangibly feel your embrace. They would tangibly feel, Lord. I pray that you'd move in their life mightily. In Jesus' precious name, we all said, amen.